Well, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We're continuing, of course, our study of the gospel of Matthew. And, of course, Matthew is one of Jesus' disciples. He presents Jesus as the King of the Jews, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. And as we're continuing our study, we've been going, of course, through the book, the gospel of Matthew, passage by passage, verse by verse. Jesus is on the side of a long hill, and he's got his disciples around him, and there's a crowd also there, and he's teaching. And this is the famous discourse. People call it the Sermon on the Mount. He's given instructions dealing with righteous living. How do we as believers, those who belong to the kingdom, that's the way to put it, how do we live in this world? And this section we're in is called the platform. If you remember, now it's hard to see, but just this is the outline of the book. And if you remember the first 16 verses, uh, when I say outline of the book, outline of the Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 5, the first 16 verses deal basically the subject of uh, of what's our character like. And then starting in verse 17, he talks about that Jesus fills the law, and then he begins to teach all these different things. And we're going to talk about it more in just a minute, but this is where we see these things. Jesus shows the contrast between the teaching of the religious leaders and himself. And it's really amazing. The religious leaders, they always saw things as external. But Jesus Christ, not only external, but internal. And because Jesus is going to say, you have heard it said, but I say to you, and he's going to say it in six big aspects. And so this morning, we're going to look at murder in anger. And every one of us in this room would say, well, you're not, you're not supposed to murder. In fact, if you look at the Ten Commandments, it says, thou shalt not kill. So we know you're not supposed to kill. But then Jesus says, you've heard it said that you're not supposed to kill, but I say to you, don't be angry. And we're going to talk about that. How does that fit together? May we understand uh, Jesus' teaching and how all this fits together in our lives. Well, I talked to a person, it's not been too long ago, at about about salvation. And we were talking, and I said, we were talking about what does a person have to do to be able to have eternal life? And I said, what, what do you think a person has to do to be able to go to heaven? That's how I put it. And they said, oh, well, I'm, I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. And I said, how do you know? And they said, well, because I've been in church all my life, and I've tried to do the right things, and I try to live a good life. I've done so much. That's what the person said. There are many people who think the same thing. They think that having life with God and getting to go to heaven or being with him is based on the things that they've done. Whether you join a church or you be good or you keep the Ten Commandments or you get baptized, do more good than bad. That's what I used to think. Realize that to many, salvation is based on external actions. How do I live? What am I doing? Do I keep the rituals? Do I do the good works? It's sad to realize that salvation is not by what we do. Titus 3, 5 says, not by works of righteousness we done, but according to his mercy. He says, Isaiah 64, 6 says, all the righteousness of man is filthy rags. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, that by grace we have been saved through faith and not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation is a gift by faith. It is not by what we do. We find that many people today think the same way that the Pharisees thought and the religious leaders. See, religious leaders in this passage dealing with the whole idea of, of, of murder and anger, the religious leaders said, the, the, you don't kill somebody. If you never kill somebody, you're okay. Jesus said, wait, no, it's beyond that. It's not just whether you ever kill somebody. What about your anger? How does that fit? And so when we, when we look at that, they say righteousness is eternal. Jesus says righteousness is both external and internal. How do you get the righteousness that God talks about. Because religious leaders, they, 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 were, they said righteousness is external and that their actions somehow made them right with God. But we understand that external righteousness is not enough. How do you get the righteousness to be able to stand before God? Because it can't be based on our works. 
we realize that by faith in Jesus Christ, we get God's righteousness. I taught this several weeks ago. I just want to remind you that every one of us in this room, the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you trusted in him to give you eternal life, that exact moment he gave to you his perfect righteousness. Romans 4, 5, to him who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited, deposited for righteousness. So if I said to you, if you've trusted Christ, if I said, are you perfectly righteous? Every one of us in this room who's trusted Christ could say, yes, I am. Now, some people who think, oh, I'm going to try to live a good life. The truth is, you may say you can live a good life, but we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. When we look at the religious leaders, now, get to remember where we are. Jesus, this, people are, in, when Jesus is teaching this, they're under the Mosaic law. Jesus spent his whole life under the Mosaic law. The religious leaders lived under the Mosaic law. The average Jewish person lived under the Mosaic law. I told you last week that if you looked at the culture, you'd say that there are sinners. This culture, the culture when Jesus was alive, he would say, they would say, sinners. What are sinners? Well, they're tax collectors, they're prostitutes, they're, they're bad people. And then there's just the regular people who don't care about anything, and, and they just kind of go through life. And then there's the religious leaders who are righteous, and, and they keep all the rules, and they wear the long robes, and they have the best seats, and they have it. And then there were people actually called righteous, and those were the ones who had believed in the Messiah. And so when Jesus is teaching, he's going to say, listen, you hear what these religious people tell you, and they tell you, here's all the rules to keep? I'm telling you, it's beyond that. That's why the righteousness that it takes to go to heaven is not based on our being good because we can't be good enough. It's based on faith in Christ and he gives us his righteousness. So as we continue this morning, Jesus gets into these details and he's explaining the aspects of righteousness both internal and external. Let me just remind you again. Jesus has begun his ministry. We've been seeing it. He's got his disciples. He's already picked out the twelve. He is on the side of a long sloping hill. Imagine he's here. The disciples are sitting here. The hill goes up this way. People have all gathered it up so they can hear him. They're looking down at him this way. He's this way. Usually in that day and time, the teacher sat down and the people stood up. So Jesus could be sitting down and everybody else standing up. We don't know for sure, but he's teaching at this time. And he's saying this, that you have heard it said, but I'm going to show you something else. Let me, let me put this out for you. We, we mentioned it, that when you see this, Jesus shows the improper view of the law. This is how the Pharisees looked at it. We're going to talk about all these different subjects. And then we're going to talk about how they lived, how they gave, how they prayed, how they fasted, all that. And then we're going to see at the end the proper view. Now, Jesus is going to correct it as he goes through, but at the end he gives a little bit more details. Now, if you notice that Jesus is the one who fulfills the law. We talked about that last week. How did he fulfill the law? He said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. How did he do it? He's the only one that ever kept the law. He paid the penalty of the law because he died on the cross to pay for the sins of every man. And he shows the purpose of the law, which is to point to the Messiah and to the Savior. So that's what we saw. Now, as we look at this section, he's going to say, religious leaders say this, but I'm going to tell you something else. Jesus said it's not just external it's internal. I want you to understand something, that the righteousness needed for salvation goes beyond external. You could say, well, I've, I've tried to live a good life. I got baptized. I, I treat people right. I've never lied. I don't, well, yeah, well, I may have lied, but, but I don't commit mur murder, and, and I don't commit adultery, and I don't do this. But, and, but the truth is, you can't be good enough. 
All of sin and come short of the glory of God. I want you to understand something else. That the righteous, righteousness is needed in the Christian life and it's beyond just your external. It goes to your heart. It goes to what you think. It goes to your thoughts and to your actions. And that's why some people can look good on the outside but are not very good on the inside. And we'll see it as we go through it. So as we look at verse, actually beginning at verse 21, going all the way through the end of the chapter, <clears throat> Jesus is going to deal with six areas. Now, I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, this is not, it. well, I like teaching the Bible and I love everything, but this is really hard because some of the things we're going to say are really hard and they go against our culture. And so I might joke with you, if we didn't do what we call expository preaching, we might just be in chapter 6 next week, you know, but we can't do that. We're going to have to go through it. <clears throat> he deals <clears throat> with these areas. He deals with murder and anger because they go together. You understand that? Murder and anger go together. Because you could say, well, I've never murdered anybody, but you ever been angry with somebody? What about adultery and lust? You said, I've never committed adultery, but what about lust? What about divorce? Because he's going to talk about it, because they said that if you wanted to divorce somebody, just make sure you gave them the certificate. The guy said, I'm going to divorce my wife. I'm going to give her a certificate that says, I'm divorcing you, and you're now free to go. Jesus said, it's, that's not exactly that way. Then they talked about vows and oath. I swear before Jerusalem. You ever said, I swear before God? Be careful when you swear. Okay? And then he talks about revenge and retaliation because somebody does you wrong, you should do what? Get them back. That's what they taught. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That's what Mosaic Law said. But why did it say that? And what did it mean? We'll see it when we get to it. And the last one is love. And they said, you love the people that love you but you don't love the people that you hate and that hate you. So we're going to get into those, and those, none of those are easy. Uh, in fact, they're all really, really hard. So this morning, murder and anger. External, murder, internal, anger. So Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say to you. Now, when Jesus says this, he's not just some rabbi teaching. He is the Son of God. He is the one who wrote the law. He is the one that understands and gave the moral law. He created all people, all things, sets the standards both external and internal. So when Jesus says something, it, it is exactly perfect. Realize the context. Religious leaders always look to outward. That's why they wanted to be seen by people. You know, we've talked about this. They, they would go through the streets, and they had these long robes, and then they had these, these tops that, that they put over, the, it's like a shawl, and they had these things on them, little things at the end, and the bigger the thing meant more spiritual you were. So they had these big things on the end, on the front and the back and the sides, and they'd walk around saying, look, look how big this is, and look what seats I have, and look when I give, because remember we talked about, we'll see it, when they gave, they'd, shoot, they'd blow a trumpet to show they were giving. Everybody look over at me, I'm giving money. They did that, because they said external. You've got to look a certain way and do certain things. Jesus said, it's much more than external. It's internal. We look to the heart. So look what he says, verse 21. We'll go through it fairly quickly. Verse 21, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. He said, you've heard. It's been reported the ancients. Ancients were the elders, the people who had gone before them. But they said, you have heard that it's always been told that you shall not commit murder murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. Now, you understand that the sixth commandment was that y'all shall not kill. 
And people didn't understand that. And, and at the time that Jesus was teaching, not only was there the Mosaic Law that had the 613 commandments, but they had a thing called the Halakha. They also had oil tradition. They also had a thing called the Mishnah, and they had the Talmud. They had all these things that people had written, and they put down all the rules and all the laws. And so they had all this code that you were supposed to live by. Don't do this, don't do this. So Jesus said, you've heard that the ancients were told, you shall not kill, you shall not murder. Whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. I want you to understand something, because if you read the Old Testament, it says, thou shall not kill. And so then some people say, well, then, how can you have capital punishment? I want you to understand something. There are two Hebrew words for kill. There's a word that means murder, and it means to take a life. It's premeditated. It's not an accident. And I want you to understand something. In the Hebrew, when it goes back to it, it says, Thou shall not kill, that word is the word for murder. You shall not murder. You shall not take a life. There's another Hebrew word for kill, which was actually used in an accident, or used when, uh, when the Bible said in Genesis 9 that if a person kills someone, then the state is required to put that person to death. That's not considered murder. That's considered a kill. And I want you to understand something that, that, uh, uh, that, that God did with, when he gave them the law, when he set the people apart. He appointed judges. Let me read this for you. This is Second Chronicles. He said, he appointed judges in the land in each of the fortified cities. He told them, consider carefully what you do because you're not judging mere mortals, but you're judging for the Lord. And it is with, with you wherever you give a verdict. Let the fear of the Lord be on you. So he had these judges, and their job was to judge things that were right or wrong. I want you to see something. When the nation of Israel came into the land, they set aside six cities called cities of refuge, three on the west side of the Jordan River and three on the east side of the Jordan River. What if you were out, and here's the example the Bible actually gives in the Old Testament. What if you're out chopping wood? And you got a friend chopping wood, and your axe handle comes off, hits him in the head, and kills him. You did not murder him. That was an accident. What you were to do in that day, you were to flee to the closest city of refuge. And you went to the front of the gate, and you said, I have accidentally killed somebody, and I'm coming to the city of refuge. Because, under the Mosaic Law, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, that if someone killed your family, you had the right to chase them down and kill them. So you got to the city of refuge, and you said, it was an accident, swing in the axe head, hit the guy in the head, killed him. I didn't mean to do it. And so they were there. The judges would meet, the family would come, and then they would determine. And if it was an accident, they said, you didn't mean to kill the person. The family had to go back. But because you took a life, life is so valuable, you had to live in the city of refuge until the death of the high priest, which could be your whole life. You never could leave the city. You'd say, well, that doesn't seem fair. Well, you kill somebody. Now, you didn't mean to do it, but you kill somebody. That just shows you how valuable a life is. So when the Bible said you shall not kill, meaning murder, that's what Jesus is talking about. And, and so this, this, and so the religious leaders would say something like this. This is external. I'm righteous. I've never murdered. You'd say, you ever murdered anybody? No, I never murdered anybody. But what does Jesus say? Because they could say, I'm a good person. But righteousness is not just external, but internal. Lifestyle is not just what you do and not do, but inward as well. Look what Jesus goes on to say, verse 22. You may say, I've never murdered, I've never committed murder, and if I have, I'm guilty of the courts. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother 
she'll be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you're good for nothing, she'll be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, she'll be guilty enough to go to the fiery hell. That's the word Gehenna there. He's actually saying that if you have anger, you're just as guilty as if you murder. And you'd say, well, why is anger the same as murder? Because in James, he says, you have not, and you get angry, and you kill. Why did Cain kill Abel? Do you remember? Abel brought the right sacrifice. Cain brought the wrong sacrifice. God said, bring the right sacrifice. Cain, you'll be okay. Cain got mad. Cain was mad at his brother. So what did he do? He murdered him. So when Jesus says, don't be angry, when he says, you've heard it's not to murder, but I'm going to tell you also, don't be angry because you're just as guilty. We're going to see it next time. Adultery and lust. Jesus said, if you lust at a woman, that's the same as adultery. He's going to say it because this is inside, not outside. And so he says, let me just show you how he does it. This He says, I say to you, everyone who's angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. You're going to be guilty before the court. It's, anger is our attitudes and our thoughts. He said, you're guilty of the court. He says, that's the same as if you murdered, you're liable to the court. If you're angry, you're liable to the court. Then he says, what if you said you're good for nothing? You shall be guilty before the court is... By the way, the word guilt, good for nothing is a Hebrew word, or basically a Greek word, uh, Aramaic type word called raka, which means blockhead. It means empty-headed. It means an imbecile. It means you have no brains. So if you said to somebody, you have no brains, you, you, you just said something you shouldn't have said to that person. You're just angry with that person. You shouldn't be... And then there's another one. What if he says you're a fool? What if you call somebody a fool? It's the Greek word moron, moranus, which means you don't have anything. You, literally in the, in the Hebrew, a fool is one who says there is no God. So if you call somebody a fool, you're telling them they're godless. And he says, you're still guilty to go to the garbage dump. He bottom line says, you know that murder's wrong, but anger's wrong too. Murder's outward, but anger is inward. Both external and internal. Not to murder is external, not anger is internal. And so when you think about it, for salvation, we must have righteousness beyond our do's and don'ts in the Christian life. It's our thoughts as well as our actions. Now that's a pretty hard thing. So let me ask you a question. Who are you angry at? Be really careful when you say you're angry at somebody and you don't forgive somebody. We've been studying in Sunday school or grow groups the Lord's Prayer, and there's a part in the Lord's Prayer which says, forgive others as you've been forgiven. And sometimes we get angry at people, and we say things about them, and we don't realize that Jesus says, you can say murder and kill, but anger's the same. So he gets really practical, and he turns it around. You know, Jesus is unusual. He, he teaches in a different way. He doesn't say, let me give you two examples if you're angry. He says, let me give you two examples that somebody's angry at you. Notice what he says. Verse 23. And I want to show you two things. Two examples. What if somebody's angry at us? That's verses 23 and 24. And what if we have actually wronged someone? That's verses 25 and 26. What is he going to tell us to do? Look what he says. Verse 23. Therefore, if you're presenting your offer, offering at the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, that he's angry about you, leave your offering, go there for the, before the, before the altar and go. 
first be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Now, you understand that they worshiped in a different way than we do. We don't bring offerings except our giving offerings and our offerings of our lives. But in that day and time, they would go to the temple to offer an offering. And they might take an offering and give it to God and say, thank you. But he said, what if as you're going to give your offering to God, you remember somebody is angry at you? Now, if they're angry at you, what does that mean for them? That they're committing murder to you. He says, what are you going to do then? You should put your thing down, go find that person, and be reconciled. That's what he says. He says, go to the person. Somebody's angry at us. Go to the person and be reconciled. Now, this is a hard thing. So here's, let me ask you a question. Is there somebody in your life that you know is angry at you for something you've done or they think you've done? You need to solve it. You need to solve it. And it may mean you go to them, and it may be this has happened in the past. Listen, what if you said, oh, Cousin Joe has been mad at me ever since the last family reunion. Okay? You might need to call Cousin Joe and say, Joe, I, you know, I made you mad. I know you're mad. I'm sorry. Everything may be okay. You may call Cousin Joe and say, I'm sorry. And he said, I don't care. You've done all you can do. You've done all you can do. Sometimes you can't be reconciled to somebody because they won't be reconciled. So if you in your life know that somebody has something against you, that's what Jesus is saying, because there's an anger issue in there, and anger is just as bad as murder is what he's saying, you need to go be reconciled to them. Wow. Deal with anger when you know someone's angry at you. Now he gives the second illustration. And that is, what if we may have wronged somebody? What if you actually have wronged somebody? What if you've actually cheated somebody? What if somebody's about to sue you and take you to court because something you've done wrong to them? Look what he says. He says, make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you be thrown into prison. He says, sometimes you've made somebody else mad. It's because you've done something wrong and you need to correct that and you need to get that right. I love the way this says it in Greek. In, 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 in verse 25, it says, make friends quickly with your opponent. It literally says, make him think kindly. Basically, make him think kind of you. Go to the person and say, I know I've wronged you. I know you're about to sue me. I know we're supposed to go. Let me, let me make it right. This is what he's talking about. Because look what he says if you don't. He says, this opponent, this legal adversary, this lawsuit, this court of law, he may take you to the judge, the judge to the officer, and you'll be thrown into prison. He says, truly, I said, you'll not come out until you paid the last cent. He said, if you've wronged somebody and you don't correct it and you don't deal with it, you're going to suffer the consequences. This is a hard passage. Is it not hard? It's not very easy. Who are you angry at? Who's angry with you? You know, you say, well, I hadn't murdered anybody. I'm pretty much okay. What about inside? What about inside? Don't be angry and deal with anger in others. We must live differently than the world. Our lifestyle is beyond normal. Let me just say this. Our lifestyle is called supernatural. There's a natural life and there's a supernatural life. The supernatural life means a life in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And so as, as those who belong to Jesus Christ, God lives inside of us. He empowers us. We can live righteously and godly in a fallen world. And so on things like this, Jesus says, you got to live beyond what the world says. It's not just external, but internal. The righteous lifestyle. So what have we seen? Jesus begins his teaching by showing the contrast between the religious leaders and himself. And religious leaders always look to the external, and they said, don't murder. Jesus looked to the internal and said, it's anger as well. And he deals with that, and he's going to deal with it all the way through. And so it, in the issue of anger, if somebody's angry at us or at you, see if we can solve it. Sometimes, listen, they're, they're, um, I had a person angry at me, um, and I asked them, what did I do wrong? And they wouldn't tell me. And I said, how can I make this right? And they said, you can't make it right. And, they, and there's nothing I can do. I tried. And I'll just be honest with you. I tried. And I said, uh, how can I, what can I do? And the person would not, would not be reconciled to me. I did all I could do. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes you go to a person that you know is angry at you, and you might even say, you appear to be angry at me. I don't even know what I did. What did I do? And they tell you, and you say, I'm so sorry, and then everything will be okay. That's what he's talking about here. It could even be a lawsuit aspect, so that's what he's talking about. So there's some, there's some hard things in this passage. Let me give you some applications, okay? First one is this. Let's understand that the righteousness needed to get to God is not external righteousness, but internal righteousness. See, man's righteousness is filthy rags. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. We can't measure up, but God's righteousness comes by faith. The moment you believe in Jesus Christ, he gives you his righteousness. So it's, it's powerful. It's powerful. Second application. Let us realize that our Christian life deals with the internal as well as the external. Sometimes we only think about, am I, am I doing okay? Like, look at the Ten Commandments. Well, I, I don't lie, I don't cheat, and, and I don't commit adultery, and I, you know, I do this, and I try to honor my mother. That, those are outward things, too. But Jesus said it's beyond just outward. It's inward as well. It's really, it's really hard. It's the attitudes and thoughts along with our actions. And then the last part here is let's deal with conflict with others. And I know it's really hard. You don't want to approach somebody that's mad at you or angry at you. You may not even know why they're angry. You may even know why they're angry. You don't know. And, and sometimes to say, that I know this person doesn't like me anymore. I know this person doesn't. They don't even talk to me anymore. I don't know what I've done. Well, Jesus says, listen, anger is really serious. It's serious as murder. So the best thing to do is, is to go. So if, if someone has something against us, do the best you can to solve it. Do the best you can. Be reconciled to that person. If you can, they may not let you. Just understand that. You, you may could do all you could do. I, I've talked to people who've had family members and something go wrong and they go meet with their family and they say, I'm so sorry. And the people won't forget. They say, oh, I'm not going to ever have anything. And you, know, and you just go, I've done all I can do. The second thing is, if we have done something wrong, Correct the error before we get into trouble, before it actually goes to something else, the way Jesus talks there. So if we've done wrong, make it right. And that way we can solve that one as well. There's so much in this passage, and we're just getting started. Uh, next week is adultery and lust. And we'll see how that fits together, which is not easy to fit together, but it is. May we deal with anger in our lives, both anger toward others and others' anger toward us.